Hi and welcome everyone to the 122nd episode of Serum Rocks. This is Marcus Allanson and today we have Nick Dolman from Microsoft with us to talk about portals to pages. Unfortunately Heidi couldn't make it on this recording but hopefully she will be here on the next one. So I'm at Marcus Allanson at Twitter and Heidi is at Serum Heidi. And of course, we have Nick, who has at ReadyXRM. And let me formally introduce Nick. So Nick is a senior content developer at Microsoft, focused on developing PowerPages content. Prior to joining Microsoft, Nick was a trainer and a consultant focused on the Power Platform. He's been awarded Microsoft MVP award from 2017 to 2021. And he's been a certified trainer uh, yeah, since 2019. Welcome, Nick Dolman. Hey, Marcus, how's it going? This is, I think this is the third time I've been on your show, second or third anyway. So. Yeah, I think at least third, as you were on just last year. So yeah, welcome yeah. back. How are you doing Thanks. today? I'm doing pretty good. Um, and, and we're live, so I got to be careful what I say. <laughs> yeah well on the episode that goes out to the recording we can always cut things but yeah yeah <laughs> okay so this is this is a bonus for anybody that's listening live um they'll be able to maybe so see if i see if i say anything that might not get edited but we'll see <laughs> yeah so so people who want to see how the sources is being made well welcome everyone <laughs> <laughs> exactly cool yeah so as a senior content developer, what is it that you do? Yeah, so my job's really interesting, Marcus. Um, what I get to do is basically I work with the team and we create the the content for what was most people know as Microsoft Docs. But, you know, and you know how Microsoft loves to rename things and rebrand things. So we're actually all now part of what we call learn.microsoft.com. So if you actually go to the doc site, you'll see that it's changed. But of course, if you have bookmarks and everything like that, they're going to continue to work. So I work within that team. We create the documentation for specifically for Power Pages, but I do sometimes get called upon to help other teams in the Power Platform and Power Apps to help with content there as well. And we work with the, the program managers um, who create and work on with the engineers to create, create a lot of these great features that we see rolling out. And we basically work with them to create the documentation, the step-by-step -step instructions, the how-tos. And we help also work with them to create like short videos um, and then also kind of help out in some of the learning path content as well. So there's a number of us that kind of work across all the aspects of the Power Platform. Uh, as I mentioned, my focus is primarily on Power Pages. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of partially what I do um, and just based on some of my background, having worked in the field and also being as, a, as an MVP, I also get a, a great opportunity. I'm very privileged to be an opportunity to be able to see and review some of the new features they're working on. And some of the PM sometimes will pull me in a meeting and say, hey, we're, we're thinking about this and we're working on this. What are your thoughts? And I can kind of say, you know, this is going to be great. Or did you think about this? Or, um, you know, folks are going to be looking for this. And uh, so I've seen a few features now roll out, not only about the documentation rollout, but some of the features roll out that I had a part that I, I could say I've influenced to be there. So that's really cool. 
do you still get invited to the MVP summit, but as a Microsoft employee instead? That great question. And the thing is, I don't even know when or where the MVP summit is happening this year. I'm pretty positive it's not going to be in person yet again for the third or fourth year in a row, unfortunately. Um, but I really don't have any details around that. So um, I've been, <laughs> I've been kind of keeping my ear to the ground. I think the same as a lot of the other MVPs too, to see what's going on, to see if I can make sure that I swing it, that I'm actually can get to the head office if it was in person, but I don't have any, I have no visibility, so I have no <laughs> idea what's going on. So that means but you haven't got an invitation yet then. <laughs> I have not gotten an invitation, but I, I also don't think anybody else has either, to be quite honest. So, All right. But uh, but a lot of the uh, community events or some of the other conferences that happen, I still still hang out. A lot of the uh, the the MVPs is, um, still have a lot of you know know a lot of great people in the community, and I still like to participate in the community. I still like doing sessions, um, you know, being in like on a podcast with you and you know a few other things. I am not as prolific on my my own personal blog as I had been in the past. Um, because a lot of that content that I would have written a blog post for um, kind of now goes into the docs directly. Um, obviously, it takes a little bit of a different tone, but uh, I, I have a few ideas that they probably we can't really put in docs, but could probably fit in my blog. So hopefully I'll get to those uh, eventually. How did you get started with Microsoft Dynamics? Oh, this is a this is a good question, and um, I think uh, so. This goes back to two thousand. Well, actually, even before that. So, in the mid nineties, I was working um, as a systems administrator, and and back in those days, we had things like networks, and we had network computers and offices, um, and I took care of the servers and those types of things, and. The company I was working for had implemented a software called Great Plains. Now, for those people that remember or know, uh, Great Plains eventually was purchased by Microsoft. It became Dynamics GP. It still exists at a pro as a product today. Um, it's kind of, I like to call it, it's an accounting software, an ERP software, but it's, uh, I like to say it's like a reliable old tractor. It's 20 years old, but it keeps on working. So why would you change it? Now, honestly, I haven't touched Great Plains since like 2007 or something, but because it was part of the ecosystem around 2002, I was doing some uh, work at a company where I was implementing um, what that time was Siebel, which was a CRM system. It was Siebel front office. It was actually, there was a partnership between Siebel and Great Plains and they had called it a Great Plains front office, I believe. And at that time, Microsoft had owning Great Plains, um, came out with their own CRM system called Microsoft Business Solutions Customer Relationship Management, version one. And I installed, installed it, played with it a little bit, um, actually implemented it internally. And I think for a couple of customers, uh, and it was a struggle. It was a good CRM system. It was just missing 75% of what it needed. And from there, eventually, you know, there was no version. There was a version 1.2, which really had very minor changes. Then that jumped to version 3. Um, I think CRM version 2 is probably one of those mysteries that maybe I'll try to discover whatever happened to it. I've, I've heard a few stories and heard a few theories. Um, that could be an interesting podcast to bring on a few people someday, maybe, to talk about whatever happened to that. Um, but when version three came out, this was really cool because this to me was a, a, a pivoting point 
CRM version three, for those of people who are maybe listening and remember, gave you the ability to create your own custom entities. Um, you couldn't do that in the previous version. And by doing that, that kind of opened a few doors because not only could you extend your traditional CRM functionality like sales and service, but you could begin to build very customized applications. And CRM version three, you could create custom entities. It had you know, an early version of workflow. Um, it had a reporting engine. Of course, you needed to be authenticated. It had a security system built in. And then I'm like, wow, you could begin to build some apps where traditionally you would might have used like Access or Visual Basic um, with a SQL backend. And I kind of got into the business of creating what you know we called at the time XRM application. Now CRM3 had a few limitations in terms of creating relationships between entities and um, a few other things. So and then multilingual really wasn't a thing. Uh, CRM version four came out, and of course that opened up a few more doors. And that's, I think, really where that XRM story really began to take root. And people started building applications on top of dynamic CRM. Um, of course, like, and not even doing traditional CRM things like, you know, membership management, um, you know, creating uh, a system to keep track of, you know, complaints or classes, uh, you know, anything you could manage in data that you wanted to manage in a system, you could use CRM for. And then, you know, CRM 2011, and of course it evolved. And then more and more people were beginning to build all of these applications on top. And then Microsoft kind of finally figured it out and then turned around and made the Power Platform. And of course, kind of rebranded the Dynamic CRM, kept those applications as Dynamics 365, but of course evolved that into Dataverse, which we all know and love. And I, you know, it's now 2023. I can say I've been working with Dataverse for 20 years um, a lot of people might think, wait a minute, Dataverse isn't 20 years old, but it actually it is. It's just never like, you know, Microsoft likes to rename things. Um, <laughs> it's it's yeah. uh, that's my that's my 20 year story. Have I know you just asked, how did I get into uh, Dy Dynamics and uh, the Power Platform? But that's basically how I, you know, long story short, how I got here, started building XRM application. And then, of course, the whole portals thing on top of that is, yeah, I worked on a project where we needed to have an externally facing website tied that back into Dynamics CRM at the time. And we use ADX Studio. And I basically, whether I won or lost the coin toss, it was my job to figure it all out and implement ADX Studio. So I learned all that, learned the ins and outs and everything. And from there started writing a lot of blogs. And because that's how, for me, the blogs were always a way that I could document how to do something so I wouldn't have to refigure it out six months later. So people used to ask me, who do you write your blogs for? It's like, really, I write the, I wrote them for myself um, because I wanted to figure out, like I wanted to, okay, how do I do this? Okay, I'm going to write this down. Oh, you know what? I'm going to post this on a blog post. That way I'll know where to find it <laughs> in six months. Yeah. So Google is I, very good at finding even your own stuff then. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there, well, there have been times I'm like, how do I do something? Let me Google that. And like, oh, someone wrote a blog post. Oh wait a minute! I wrote that blog post. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you're thankful that you actually did. <laughs> oh, yeah. absolutely! Yeah, for sure. So, All right. Yeah. So last year, Microsoft released something called the Power Pages. So what's that? So Power Pages is great question. So there's there's two approaches to take a look at this. Power Pages, a new pillar in the Power Platform. 
So that lives alongside Power Apps, Power Automate, Power Virtual Agents, and Power BI. So the fifth product, um, one way to look at it, and it is at its core, the ability to create websites that effectively very easily and securely interact with Dataverse, where of course we know Dataverse is the you know the common data store data service for the power platform to take a look at it from a different aspect um, power pages has evolved from what was once a feature of power apps called power apps portals so for all intents and purposes from a technology point of view um, and we even have this in our documentation power apps portals is now power pages they are the same thing now that being said though Power Pages, along with the the name change and it being promoted from a feature into an actual product, also included the you know adding some new tools, some new templates um, from the front side and the back end to also enhance the actual product itself. So it's much more than just Power Apps portals getting a new a new sticker and um, on top of it, there's a lot of other aspects to it as well. So that that's basically it in a nutshell. It's it's new, but it's it's also has a history behind it as well. Very similar to what I mentioned before about Dataverse. Dataverse is you know not two or three years old. It's twenty years old. It's an evolution of the technology that became before it. Yeah. So would you say that in essence it's some kind of license change that you can actually buy Power Pages without buying? anything else in the power platform Correct. now then Correct. So before the way it worked is you would need you need to get some power apps licenses or some Dynamics 365 licenses and then you would have to pay a premium on top of that to use the port power apps portals feature and the premium would be like um, user logins and we won't get into how it used to be cuz it was pretty cost prohibitive based on most workloads unless you had massive big sites and was able to get big discounts. So now you can actually, if you want, if you don't want to use Power Apps and you don't want to use Power Automate or any of these other things, but you want to build a website, you can go, you can go to your Microsoft Office portal on the side there and you can buy Power Pages licenses, authenticated users and an or anonymous users or a combination of both. And you can build a web application um, strictly 100% using Power Pages. Um, now that being said, though, I would think that Power Pages, where yes, it can work on its own, completely standalone, like the all the Power Platform, it just works so much better together. It works great with Power Apps. So if you're building, you know, an application, yes, you can build a Power Pages site that external users can access. But on the back end, you can use Power Automate to do some of your automation workloads. And then you could even use like Power Apps to build some more of those admin user interfaces that your staff could use or some other features along that. So um, definitely I hope that sort of, you know, clarifies things a little bit. So yeah, that was my long-winded answer to say the short version of, yes, Power Pages can be completely standalone. But again, recommend let's um, put all that put all that Lego kit together and make it do amazing. Yeah, so I'm trying to look up what the templates are these days because I think those are really good example with uh, with sales where you have okay, we want to have some partners come in and work with opportunities together. Then there's their customer service where, okay, we want our customers to log in and report cases to us. 
and there are multiples of these templates that get you going really fast. So I like those a lot. Yeah, and, and those templates that existed before in Power Apps portals are still there, like the customer self-service template, like you mentioned, the community template, the partner template, um, the employee self-service template, the, they all exist. They do have a dependency on the Dynamics 365 apps being enabled on your Dataverse environment. However, on top of that, there are other templates as well. They, we have um, a few different like kind of I would say like design templates that kind of follow different designs. And we can talk a little bit more about that in a bit, but we also have like a, a, um, an after school registration program template where not only is it good if, if you're running an after school program, but also if you're doing something where you're, you need to take registrations against like maybe classes or seminars or those types of things. So that's a good template, even if you're not going to use it just to, um, take a look at it and see how it was built and see some of the technology behind it. There also is a building permit template that was released not that long ago and also a book of meeting template that was sort of geared to financial institutions. But again, if you're running anything from a car, car dealership or anything like that, you could take a, you know, use that template and kind of build it and mold it to your own, um, your own business case or at least get the ideas from it. And I do know that there's some other templates that will be released as well. Again, either use an example or use as a starting point to kind of build your own web applications. So again, keep an eye out for, for those. Uh, there's definitely more coming. They're working on them right now. Yeah, and and I use them all the time. And then I use them as both as a quick demo and as a stepping stone to get to get going faster because there's no no need to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. But and, once and you those, I was just going to say, sorry, yeah, the those templates as well, like they all that source code is there, like the web templates and some of the JavaScript code and the portal web API code that's embedded in those templates that that's not been compiled into a DLL or anything like that. So from a learning perspective, these are great things. If you're the type to if you learn by taking a look at something else and taking it apart, um, there's some uh, good material there for you to, 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 to check out. Yeah, if you're a tinker, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so once you've created it, you come into something that looks brand new to those who've been to the portal maker before. So now it's called the design studio, if I'm correct. So mm -hmm. what what's that and what's the difference between the, the older maker? Portal. So the old maker portal, it was a little bit limited in terms of what you could do with it for the most part now. So the new design studio takes what was there as the old portal what we call the portal studio and enhances it in basically in different ways. First off, we have the pages workspace and the pages workspace allows like a, it's a low code way or low code, no code way for makers to go in and they can begin to add, change the layout, add sections, and then add other components like lists and forms and iframes, you know, Power BI, those types of, and kind of text and images and begin to design those web pages. So that's the core of the pages workspace. And then we also have the styling workspace, which allows you to go in and change the look and feel, the font types, the font sizes of various aspects of your style. And then there is the data workspace. And the data workspace is really quite something interesting. It allows you to go in and create dataverse assets, such as um, tables, fields, and forms, views, because 
One thing that I think a lot of people who are new to the Power Platform, they come into Power Pages. Let's kind of make one thing really clear is Power Pages runs off of Dataverse. Um, it is a very Dataverse centric type of web building tool. Whereas some of the other tools on the market, you know, like WordPress or Wix or whatever, those are great, but they're not tied deeply into Dataverse. Now, obviously there's other enhancements and plugins you can get for WordPress. I know for sure I've worked with them. They're really good that can tie into Dataverse, but Power Pages, um, it, it is like married to Dataverse on so many different levels. You know, for instance, the, you know, the contacts that log in authenticated users, they're stored as Dataverse contacts. The portal metadata, the metadata that describes the web pages, the links, the content snippets, all of those assets that you add to a website, guess what? It's stored as data in Dataverse. And then finally, if you have your own business application that you've built on top of Dataverse, let's say something as simple as a, you know an event website where you have the event, you have the sessions, you have the speakers, you have like, you know, maybe you have catering and registrations. If you created all those tables in Dataverse, you can use those as the basis, um, create views and forms, and then bring those to create components to expose on a web page. So you can have a list of all the sessions. You can have a multi-step form to take a registration. Um, and all of this stuff is stored in Dataverse. So circling back to the design studio in data and then the data workspace, the data workspace allows you to work directly with those Dataverse assets. Um, directly now and for those of you who've been working with the design studio for a while now and are still in the habit of popping back to power apps to work on your dataverse stuff because you want to be able to put it in an unmanaged solution on your dev environment well guess what data works data workspace you now can pick your unmanaged solution where all those assets will live um, very simple there's a gear icon there you'll be able to select it and then you'll be able to pick your unmanaged solution and then all of those tables, those views, those fields, everything you create will be put in that unmanaged solution in Dataverse. Um, so that's that's one of those things that I kind of said on day one when I joined Microsoft and I saw Data Workspace for the first time. I said, where where can I pick my solution? And that's a feature that just got released a few weeks ago. So uh, definitely check that out. So you can you're at the point now where you almost can create your entire web application without leaving the design studio because of you have the ability to modify your Dataverse assets and then build your pages and style them and everything else. Now the design studio has one last workspace we call the setup workspace. Setup workspace is constantly evolving, but there's really the admin side. It has a checklist. If you want to go live with the site, the different things you need to consider, like turning on web application firewall, setting up your custom domain, um, setting up a content delivery networks um, also has the links in there for setting up your table permissions and those types of things. So the design studio as a whole really is the workshop for a power um, power pages maker. And if even if you do need to go in and tinker a little bit with the HTML code or the CSS, well, this is where. Another great thing that's now integrated, it used to be in the old design studio, you could go in and edit that code. There was a code editor. It was pretty limited. It was like a text editor. Now there's a button that will take you into VS code for the web. And that's actually will open up a new screen, but now you're in a full-fledged VS code editor embedded in you know, a website. And this is where today you can do things like you can edit 
basically the, the code for a web page and they're enhancing that so you can do so much more in the future as well when building your your web application if you are a coder or even if you're not a coder but you know enough to be dangerous <laughs> this gives you the tools to be able to go in and you know directly edit some of that html or liquid or javascript and those types of things um, again without really going too far out of your browser um, for those that might have worked on portals you know even a few years ago we could build a lot of neat things in the old adx studio portals and the original dynamics 365 portals but there was a lot of context switching a lot of switching out from the browser into you know a model driven app and then looking at a web page and just hopping around now the design studio you can basically do a lot of those chores without leaving an interface and that really makes things efficient yeah so that's a lot of changes in in just what is it one year since you were here right oh, so uh, the, the changes a... are <laughs> And there's more coming, like, hold on to yeah. your seats. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so let's go back to the data workspace for a minute, just mm -hmm. because I think that's so great. Because before we used to have the records, so sort of a, a page was a record in a table. And then we had some attachments, I think it was, that you where the page was, was in. So if you wanted to edit it in the... Uh, sort of model driven portals admin site you could you could do that but it was really tedious and then you had to use the XRM toolbox to move those portal <laughs> records from one environment to the other and then to have it in a solution where you can export import oh man that's that's really good so yeah that's a it's huge good. one yeah yeah it really consolidates things and then even on that aspect too, what you mentioned, you touched on moving portal metadata. And at the end of the day, it's still being stored in Dataverse. That part hasn't changed. The portals management app is still a thing and you you know still need to go in there to do certain things. But every, every month there's new features that, oh, that's one more thing I no longer have to go into the portal management app for. So like you mentioned attachments, it used to be to enable attachments on a basic form. You had to go into the portal management app. You had to go in the metadata. You had to turn on this site setting. You had to add this portal meta, this metadata record. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, <laughs> on and on and on. Now you open up, you add a form to a page, you click on the properties. There's a checkbox, enable attachments, click, and then you're done. And it's all done for you. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's just stuff like that. It's pretty cool. And then you talked a little bit about, yeah, the XRM toolbox, which still there are tools that are amazing, like, the XRM toolbox is just, I mean, I, I, anybody out there that's listening, if you've not downloaded the XRM toolbox, like stop, put pause, go and download it now. Uh, we'll definitely wait for you. But that yeah. being said, though, um, from the Microsoft side, like we have the VS code for the web, but we also have this tool, the Power Platform command line interface. And um, I just uh, we just released a YouTube video, me and uh, um, Daniel Lakowitz, who used to be an MVP as well, we did a short little session on the Power Platform CLI and Power Pages um, that just got released on YouTube, like I said, about two weeks ago. So check that out. But basically what you can do with that is you can use your desktop VS Code, which I know a lot of developers use, and install the Power Platform tools. And then there in the terminal window, you can download your portal metadata from Dataverse to your local machine. Of course, once you can do that, then you can automate that and put it in the source code and you know do all that fun stuff 
but then you can do all your editing there. You can update web templates, web pages, all of that code editing. And then once that code's been edited, you can push that back up to your portal and very quickly see the sites, but also you could redirect it to upload, basically move all your portal metadata from one system to another using the Power Platform CLI. And once you understand what those commands are and you can automate them, it's actually very seamless to move uh, basically a site from one environment to another. So from your dev to your test to your production. Now, the way it is today, you still need to you know, also export your solution with all your Dataverse enhancements, like your forms and views. But um, all I can basically say now is making sure I don't you know, don't give away the farm, but keep an eye on this space because eventually that whole process is going to get smoother and smoother um, to the point where I think ALM is going to be as smooth for Power Pages as it is for the rest of the Power Platform. Yeah, so with that in mind, I I don't know anything about the plans, but it sounds very much like the Azure DevOps both um, build pipelines and perhaps release pipelines could be one one could speculate that that's a future to to be to be used for moving things from one environment to the other so yeah i'm I, really I, looking forward to that and not only that like i think um, the tools that are the pieces that are beginning to fall into place including some of the enhancements to the administration tools you know it will get you know we're not there today but we'll get to a point where I'm a, you know, you have a, de- you know, you have a team of developers and they need to work on a site for a, a week or something. You just have to press a button and it's going to, you know, create a site, deploy the code from source control and all these developers can work on their own environments on their own stuff. And they're going to upload, it's going to merge. And then you're going to have your staging site and your entire, you know, DevOps story pipeline will be there um, for not only for single users, but multiple users working on a, a Power Pages site. So I think a lot of those pieces are there. It's just stringing them together and waiting for a few others to fall in place. But we're we're marching toward that that uh, that that oasis very quickly. Wow, I didn't really consider that. So that's really awesome. So then the collaboration between developers as well gets a lot easier. So really, yeah, and good I'm sure one. there's other yeah. other uh, .NET developers out there. They're kind of you know they're chuckling. They're probably saying, "Well, yeah. welcome to 2018," but uh, <laughs> we're, we're getting there on this side as well. <laughs> yeah, well, well, that's true. <laughs> so yeah, we might be a bit behind, but. Uh, since we just recently had the Portal Studio, this is a big leap forward, at least in my point of view. So yeah, good one. So some of these are part of the 2023 release wave one, right? So it's not yet generally available. Correct. So the release waves that you'll see, basically, these are features that are usually at this point when you see them, they're being worked on, they're still being planned. Um, of course, they're always subject to change. And I think we've seen that. We've seen features disappear off release plans or get pushed um, because different things can happen. Um, but the release waves that came out last week, there's some of those features are, are like I said, I know the team is working on it. They're, at this point, the fact that they're there and now public um, like some of the admin features, some of the VS Code features. Um, big one for me, well, a couple, there's quite a few big ones, but the big one that uh, 
got my attention when I first heard about it is the integration to Power Automate. So there's going to be the facility where you're building a site and you can trigger a Power Automate flow, which you could do before unsecurely using the HTTP request. But now you'll be able to do it in a secure manner. And not only that, but also have it trigger and get the let the flow go and do its thing. And then the data that it spits back, you'll be able to utilize directly on your site. So think of something like a tax calculation or maybe you have a flow that goes out to a a third party, a shipping, you know, system that calculates the shipping and freight on something. And then that information can turn around and come back and be displayed on your, on your site. So that's going to really open a lot of doors for low code makers. Whereas to do something like that before you had to kind of lean heavily on our pro devs. And again, there's pro devs. There's always going to be more than plenty of work for, for those folks to keep doing. Um, but again, it just sort of, again, opens up more doors and more functionality that you can work with on your site. Yeah, and, and it sounds a lot like the things that we can do today in the Power Apps Canvas apps, where the connection between that type of application in the and the Power Automate is really good. So we get a little bit of that in portals now. That's awesome. So yeah, really good. Yeah, yeah that's it's Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I've already got my head churning on a few use cases for that. So looking forward to when that sort of hits, kind of hits a public preview so we can kind of play around with. And I'm also curious to see what other ideas folks come up with, with these tools that are going to now be available. Yeah. And then I looked at the release or the release plan and saw that there was a bootstrap version five coming as well. So that's a big leap from the, version three something i think currently yeah so boot bootstrap is interesting it's one of those things where um i think bootstrap in in terms of a designer in the designer world is it's ancient technology and that was something that i've seen a lot of complaints on a lot of customer feedback saying hey you know this is great this is new and then you say bootstrap three and people what like but and (laughs) To, to be honest, I mean, it's not really, it's just an evolution. Like a lot of these frameworks usually have a pretty good upgrade path. Bootstrap didn't from, to move to Bootstrap 3 to 4 to 3 to 5, there really wasn't a very clean, and there still isn't a very clean upgrade path. So what the approach here is for Bootstrap 5, um, from my understanding, and again, hopefully I don't get, I think I'm, I'm all good saying this now that it's in the release plans, but really there will be a release of a tool and that tool you'll be able to run against your site. Obviously, you'd run this against a dev site and it will convert to a Bootstrap 5 to the best of its ability. But then you also have to probably reconsider. There'll be a few things that it's going to flag that you're going to have to go in and manually update and fix yourself. It's really that's the process there. And I really haven't seen much of the tooling yet or how that will work. But that's effectively how you would have to convert your existing sites and then make those changes and then roll those out where new sites should be able to start from the ground running by just using Bootstrap 5 and moving forward with that. So that's the approach being taken there. And I know there's still a few things in flux and it's definitely, this is a case of yes, the community and the customers telling us this is something we need, we need to do, and it's now finally happening. Yeah, and there are a lot of web developers I'm not really one of those, but that are really good with working with Bootstrap. So yeah, that's a huge market that we can tap into nowadays. So yeah, it's a good one, even though that it can potentially be some work to upgrade. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right then. So, um, what are the licensing changes to the new power pages? So <laughs> we talked a little bit about it. So it was based on people logging in and anonymous visit. Was that correct? Uh, yeah. So the way it used to be, it uh, was really you would sh it would cost if someone logged in. A logged in user would require it would be a two dollar per login and that login would only last 24 hours so if you and think of it i always used to describe it as like a ticket to disneyland you buy a ticket you can come and go as you please within that 24 hours but it's still gonna it's gonna cost you after 24 hours you'll have to get another ticket so when you start thinking about it let's say you have a membership organization thousand members and you know, you want those members to log in once a month, whether it's to see some information or even to update something or to sign up for an event, something like that. Um, if they signed in, even if they signed in all those 1000 members signed in once per month, and I guess the retail pricing in US dollars was around $2 per login. And of course that price drops under volume discounts, but you're looking at 2000 bucks a month. Um, if you're only paying a few hundred dollars for your regular power apps licenses, this seems quite a bit. And that's just only assuming they're going to sign in once a month. Think of that 2000 member system. They're signing in multiple times per month. There's different seminars. There's different webinars. This becomes incredibly cost prohibitive very quickly. So if they were to sign in, you know, let's say every day. So say 20 days, like 20 times 2,000, 20, uh, 40,000 times two, like you're looking like, you know, $80,000. Maybe my math is a bit off, but you see how things get expensive very quickly, um, even with the bulk discounts. So the licensing has now been reworked where, yes, you still need to buy authenticated users, but now it's on a monthly basis. So what happens is, let's say you buy 100 logins and yes, it still costs you two dollars to log in but now that's going to be good for the month as opposed to the day so that membership organization with a thousand members yeah it still might cost you two thousand dollars per month but they can log in every day and it's not going to grow from that so it's still expensive but you got to realize the value you have a system that can talk to dataverse um if you were to build and it's one that can be built and adapted very quickly um, I've built sites from ground up using .NET. I've built sites in WordPress. Um, the amount of development time and things like that, you know, all, you know, contributes quite a bit. So, you know, again, you have to uh, assess this for yourself, but the deal to me is much better. Now on the flip side, we also have the authentic, unauthenticated user. There still is a charge for them. And it also, that way, if you have like public people visiting the site, it will probably cost a bit more depending on what your use case is. Um, so again, you have to kind of realize what is it that you want to do with your site, who your audience is, and then kind of do the math that way. So the best place to go to check out the licensing is go to, uh, we have documentation. There's a there's an FAQ on licensing. That's getting updated probably on a weekly basis because there's new questions that come up. So there's different ways. So that's just sort of the, um, the pre the pre-purchase of licensing. There's also a pay-as-you-go model. The pay-as-you-go model might be a little bit more expensive, but it fluctuates um, on depending on who logs in when to do that. Um, so basically, it's just sort of one of these things where, uh, you know, check out the licensing, check out the model that works for you, do the math. But I would say the licensing now is much more fair, much more reasonable, 
and can open the doors for people to use power pages where they think the door would have been shut before. Yeah, and I just looked at it, and there's uh, some at the powerpages.microsoft.com as well. So that's maybe just an overview, and perhaps it's a bit better at the Learn site. So I will try to look that up um, afterwards so we can add it to the pages and, of course, to the release notes that we talked about here. So everyone who's yeah. interested can find that. Yeah, and at the end of the day... Um, I would always I suggest check if you're a customer or a partner and you're working with a, a Power Pages project, uh, check in with your Microsoft rep. They they can give you the most up-to-date information and also any other promotions or things like that that could be going on. You know, unofficially, I've always said buying Power, Power Apps Portals licenses or Power Pages licenses, like buying a car, um, you don't always pay sticker price. You know, <laughs> depends on how fancy the car is or anything like that. Um, probably a bad analogy these days because uh, people people are paying over sticker price because cars are hard to come by right now. But um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways, it's just sort of yeah. Like I I kind of I I only know the licensing based on the questions I've been asked. But again, I'd say go to official official sources. Uh, don't rely on don't rely on me and don't get me in trouble either. Because if <laughs> someone says, "Oh, we heard some guy from Microsoft on a podcast say this," like comes back to me i'm in trouble so uh <laughs> yeah anyways. yeah so so let's start with a disclaimer we're not a licensing expert here though exactly. so yeah but that, hopefully we right. pointed you in the right direction that's that's my yeah. job <laughs> yeah so how often do you refresh the cache uh <laughs> still every 15 minutes um that's but yeah it's it's uh it's interesting. We talked about the design studio there, and um, uh, that was actually something when we used to, in the old days, we used to flip around and create sites and, you know, have to change context switching, go to Visual Studio and push stuff to IIS server. And then you'd have to refresh the cache to see your changes. Cool thing in design studio, and I think this was also in the, um, the original studio as well. Anytime you hit that preview button in the design studio, that will refresh the cache. And uh, if you, we, do not have code to make you do that automatically. Um, but depending on how, if you do, um, if you do a query of Dataverse, or if you actually write back to Dataverse, that's one sort of way to trick the cache to be refreshed as well. If you need to get under that 15 minute window. And I actually wrote a blog post on it and um, it's not ideal, but if you do need to actually have that cache refreshed in certain circumstances, that's a way around it. But again, by refreshing the cache, you do, you know, your site could take a performance hit. So, you know, always these things use a caution. No, but you're always developing in your sandbox environment, right? So mm -hmm. that means that when you're developing, there's not really visitors to pay that cost. But <laughs> I was, of course, um, referring to your old podcast that you yourself was a co-host of that was called Refresh the Cash, right? Yeah. And yeah, yeah, and I know Nick Hayduke and George Dubinsky have uh, taken the reins of that now. Uh, they were in the fall; they were on a tear. They did a few episodes in a row, and then um, they probably, like all of us, got busy. And so, hopefully, to see more episodes in the future from those guys. So if George and Nick, if you're listening, uh, people are waiting for more episodes. See, I can say that yeah, now then I'm not involved. <laughs> then I will have to re-add it to my subscriptions because I think I ended it when it was more than a year old, the yeah. last episode. So, yeah. Oh, well, 
um, but uh, it's funny how things still sort of keep the same, right? Even yeah. if things are changing. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so where do I go for want to know more about the new power apps? No, sorry, the power pages. <laughs> Uh, so definitely learn.microsoft.com slash power dash pages. Um, this, that's the landing page for our, our documentation. And one thing that we're currently working on now is right in the process is migrating the power apps portals documentation. That's still good, still valid, uh, migrating that over to the power pages uh, site. So we do have already a ton of topics, uh, documentation on power pages, like obviously all the new stuff, but you're going to be basically seeing some of that existing stuff, such as like security administration, all the developer stuff that's going to be moved over. So you're only, it's going to be like a one-stop shopping as opposed to now where you go into a lot of the power pages stuff and you click on a link, you'll still might get taken over to the power apps documentation. Um, obviously that's not as easy as just copy and paste because we want to make sure some of these screenshots are updated. We want to reflect the um, user interfaces. Um, also, there's a few things in there that, you know, probably work a little bit differently now. Um, usually we try to stay on top of that on a regular basis, but this also gives us an opportunity to make sure we're giving the, the most up to date and the right information as well. So definitely power pages is going to be your, like I said, the main site. Also, if you're working within the tool itself, um, there is the Learn Hub, which is on the Power Apps homepage. The Learn Hub does point back to our documentation, but also a lot of the new videos are being published directly to Learn Hub as well. So if you're stuck on something, Learn Hub is another avenue to check out. Um, but I would say for sure, the you know, Power Pages uh, documentation, also the release plans as well, definitely a good place. And the community site as well. The community site is where some of the PMs put up blogs. Um, it's where you can submit ideas and there's forums there. I know some of the MVPs are pretty active there. So if you're stuck on something, post your question there and chances are someone might have run into the exact same problem you did or similar. They should be able to go in and answer, help you out, answer those questions or again, point you in the right direction. And then finally, if there's a particular document that doesn't quite make sense to you or you think the information's wrong, there's the ability, because all our documentation's on GitHub, you can actually post a comment on that um, or an issue, submit an issue, and then that you know goes across myself and my team or the team I work with, their desk, and we can try to try to resolve it. Um, we do have a bit of a backlog on that right now. I don't get in trouble for saying that, but so it's not the fastest response, but we are, I see everything. I try to respond as quickly as we can. Um, and like I said, but if you're really stuck, if you're really, really stuck, open a support ticket. Um, our support team are there. And I know that they reach out to uh, our the engineers, the product manager, or even to us in documentation sometime to help resolve customer issues. So there's plenty of help. And along with all the YouTube videos, blogs that the community puts out, there's so much Power Pages content coming out now. Could a few years ago, it's really great to see. It's great to see new MVPs and new people in the community doing that. Um, really exciting stuff happening. Even um, existing um, Power Addicts that are trying out Power Pages for the first time and sharing what they learned. Um, like I said, tons of great info. Yeah, and there are actually people who are not Canadian who actually do Power Pages. So Correct. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because back in the day when you had refreshed the cache, there were also a lot of you. But yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So, do you have any public speaking scheduled where we can see you next? 
Ah, uh, I so last week I did speak. It was a Power Platform Week that's put on by the group that the European Power Platform Conference, the SharePoint Conference. Um, so that recording is now available on their site. I believe you can see that for free, but you need to sign up, which is that's fine. Um, so you can check that out. In terms of speaking engagements, I am speaking at a user group. I think the Portland user group. I'm doing that virtually. That's on a meet meetup at the end of February. And oh, next week um, I'm going to be a judge at Nordic, uh, the, not Nordic Summit, the Arctic Cloud Developer Challenge. Um, so I know that that's a hackathon that goes over a few days. I believe uh, I'm not sure how the registrations work. I think probably the registrations are sort of firmed up now. Um, but you'll see a lot of blog and information coming out of there because the the uh, the participants need to actually build some stuff. So I'm going to be a judge there and I'm really excited to see what people are going to come up with and how they're going to use these Microsoft technologies to build things. So that's, that's an in-person thing. Um, I have, a, I submitted a few sessions for different conferences and uh, user groups and things like that. So we'll see, we'll see what 2023 brings and hopefully I'll see a yeah. lot of you in person. Yeah, and, and we're about time shifters here. So this is recorded the 1st of February, but it's actually published the 14th of February. So hopefully you had a good time and everyone was awesome. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sure, sure they would be, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Who would you recommend as a future guest on this podcast? Mm, good question. There's so many, so many uh, good folks. You know what? You should try to reach out to uh, Jim Novak. Um yeah, Jim. Jim's on the. He's used to be an MVP. He also works for Microsoft now, um, but he works in industry solutions, and I think they're coming up with a lot of neat stuff. So uh, you don't hear too much about it. So yeah, you should. Uh, and if if you need help uh, making the intro, I think you know Jim, right? Or maybe he's has he ever been on your podcast before? No, and I haven't done very much with the industry solutions, so that could be really fun actually to get back to those. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, and Jim's always a good guy to talk to. So, um yeah, that that'd be that that sort of came top of mind. I thought he could, he could be a good one. Yeah. And then of course, if we want to find you, you're at Twitter at readyxrm. You yep. have your blog that's about the same right, if I remember correctly. Yeah, the, it hasn't changed, and I'll, I'm tr hopefully we'll get some content there. Uh, yeah, Twitter, I'm usually pretty active on Twitter, kind of letting folks know what the team's up to, the best of my ability. Um, yeah, LinkedIn a little bit as well. Um, but yeah, um, I'm, not a, <laughs> I'm not a Twitter exile. I'm going to stay on Twitter. I don't care who owns it or how it goes. Uh, we'll, we'll stay out of so that. So you're not the Mastodon <laughs> Mastodon user yet uh, done? Uh, no, I I took a look and it's sort of like there's like okay I got to pick my server now I got to do this I got to do that like yeah okay I'll just stick with. Twitter. All right, so I will add a link to your uh, YouTube then to your blog and to Twitter and then people will have to search for you if they want to find more of you then for sure and then yeah I do uh, and anytime I do a presentation I usually throw up the slide deck on GitHub as well so um, I'll, uh, I'll right, shoot that over to you as well where I have all the, yeah. the presentations because that's always something you know I always ask will the deck be available and like yeah it's on my GitHub 
find it there. Yeah, that's really good. And for those who are listening, you can find CM Rocks at cmrocks.com. And I post uh, the episodes on Facebook and LinkedIn and I think on Twitter again. But that then I'm using the hashtag CM Rocks. So, yeah. So thank you for your participation in CM Rocks, Nick Dolman. Thanks, Marcus. Have a good one. Yeah. And see you next time on CM Rocks.